Hi, I'm Randy. And I'm Claire. And you're listening to Killer Vibes, a true crime podcast. Do you feel those summer vibes happening right now? I do feel those summer vibes. <laughs> they're so good. And there's so many good summer vibes here at, at Killer Vibes. vibes. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> but seriously, though, we have an exciting announcement. Starting next week, we will be releasing not one, but two new episodes every Monday. So that means two new murders every week for you guys to listen to, two more crazy conversations we have about social justice issues or about psychology or sociology or something that we don't know anything about. It'll be a great time, you guys. We also have an extremely exciting announcement at the end of this episode that involves all of our listeners, so make sure to stick with us for our first episode of the summer season and get ready to vibe with us here at Killer Vibes. (laughs) We've said vibes 20 times. So many, but we want (laughs) to emphasize the good vibes here. (laughs) On to the murder. Murder. (laughs) Not very good vibes there. (laughs) No. So, to kick off our summer season, I thought we would do a local murder. Love a good local murder. Love a good local murder. So good. All right. So, this is the murder of 20-year-old Lacey Joe Miller. Fabulous. Let's <laughs> jump on in. All right. So, Lacey lived here in Fort Collins with her mom, Wendy, and her stepdad, but she was a student at the University of Northern Colorado, which is in Greeley, which is about 30, 40 minutes away from here. And she was studying education. She wanted to be a teacher like her mom. Aww. And she worked at Jim's Wings in her free time here in Fort Collins. So really your average college student. Lovely. We are average college students. We are. Not anymore. X. <laughs> Average college students. <laughs> Guys, we just graduated. <laughs> we had our last classes just recently. Very exciting. So Lacey was last seen on January 18th, 2003 at 1.30 a.m. She had gone out with friends to a party at Laurel and College, which is an intersection with a bunch of house parties. So many house parties. And then they went to go get pizza. Well... I feel like we should discuss pizza, you know. Excellent. I love on a murder a good, podcast. Obviously. So, Claire, where would you be getting pizza if you just went to a house party on Laurel and College? Okay. I mean, so I would always walk from the UCA all the way to Campus West and kind of like hang out in that area near like Rams Village and those places. Rams Village? Yes. Oh my god. Okay. I was <laughs> Continue, and then I have okay. something to tell you. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I had uh, friends who lived in Rams Village, and we'd always get Cosmos. Cosmos. So I'd probably get Cosmos over um, off of Elizabeth near Rams Village. That'd I feel that. That would be good. I would probably yeah. get... What did we get the other night? What was that? Uh Oh, Crazy Carl's. I would, I would get that. I haven't got that pizza before, <laughs> but when we got it, now I want that all the time. It it's pretty good. It had jalapenos on it. It was so good. So good. Okay. I don't know where she went to get pizza, but I do know (laughs) that she went to Rams Village right after. (laughs) That's hilarious. That's so funny that you mentioned that. Oh, it's kind of creepy. Okay. (laughs) So she dropped her friends off at Rams Village, which is, like Claire described, a popular apartment complex on Campus West. And then she just had a three-mile drive back to her house. So her home was located off of Drake and Taft. So she should have been there within about five minutes, especially like in the middle of the night on a Mm -hmm. Friday. Yeah. Like no traffic over there. Absolutely. But something happened after she dropped her friend off 
and no one ever saw her alive again. Ooh, creepy. Okay. (laughs) So no one knew what happened to her, but Wendy, her mom, knew that Lacey never made it home that night. And more concerning, she never made it to her shift at Jim's Wings the next morning. So her mom is, like, freaking out. And at 12.12 p.m. that afternoon, Wendy reports Lacey missing. Efficient. Efficient. She does not wait. (laughs) No. She knows there's only 48 hours. Yeah, she knows. She is on top of it. Yes, I love it. Way to to be on top of it. Lacey's mom. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot her mom's name. Wendy. (laughs) Way to be on top of it, Wendy. (laughs) So while Wendy is making the report and dealing with law enforcement, her dad and her stepdad are posting missing flyers all around Greeley and Fort Collins. Her friends are out looking for her. Everyone is really involved. And again, we're only a couple hours out from the disappearance. So this is pretty, you know, unprecedented. Yeah, that's kind of odd, actually, because, you know, that doesn't always happen, the efficiency yeah. with missing persons cases. Because a police department will say, well, you need to wait 72 hours or yeah. people will just, you know feel weird about freaking out so quickly mm-hmm. and they'll just make up excuses in their head like oh she just right. is sleeping at a friend's house like but, I'm being irrational yeah, but her mom knew yes her Wendy mom was like knew no it. something's wrong with my daughter yes I appreciate that <laughs> that's it that's all I have to say <laughs> the cadence of how you said that sounded like sounded like it was gonna say yeah, yeah you're gonna say something else <laughs> so I was like p- pausing <laughs> like continue <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Okay. So by now, they have located Lacey's 2002 black Mitsubishi Mirage, and it is locked and parked two houses down from her parents' house. Oh, no. And they're like, what the heck? God. Like, like, she got home. Yeah, she's so close by. I mean, like. And parking here in Fort Collins, I'm not really sure about this particular area, but I know that sometimes it can be really intense. So she literally could have, like, parked and been walking to her house or uh, that's just insane. That's, like, a a common thing that happens is you have to park a little bit further down from your house in order to find parking here. Mm -hmm. So my heart. I know. (laughs) So tragic. Don't they have a statistic for, like, how often crimes and terrible things happen a certain distance away from your house. I think there's like a weird That's for missing children. Is it missing children? Yeah. Okay. So the missing children statistic is like, I want to say they will, I I could look it up, but I don't want to, (laughs) but it's like a high percentage of kids go missing within a two mile radius of their home. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think that's exactly what I'm thinking of. Mm -hmm. Oh, so scary. It is really scary because she probably let her guard down and was like, oh, I'm home. Yeah, like made it home safe. Whatever. And then someone snatched her up and murdered her. (gasps) (laughs) Okay. So no one in Fort Collins or Greeley hears or sees anything until 4 a.m. on January 19th. So pretty much exactly 24 hours after someone last saw her. So Eric Jensen is at his house in Fort Collins. He's chilling. He doesn't know Lacey, so he's not out looking for her. He's just having a regular night. And then his roommate, who is 23-year-old Jason Clausen, is like, hey, man, I want to show you something in my Ford expedition. And he's like, okay. (laughs) 
I already know where this is. You know what it is. I feel like I know, yeah. You wanna you wanna guess? (laughs) I feel like either there's like her body's gonna be in his car or like he's gonna show her show him like all his murder tools or something. It's just okay, okay. (laughs) It is Lacey's dead body. God, what would you even do in that situation if you were Eric and your friend comes up and is like, hey, man. I mean, I feel like he was living with him, so he clearly didn't know he was a murderer. Clearly not. And I feel like my first intuition would be, I have to be so cool about this because he's going to murder yeah. me too. <laughs> oh my God, you're you know? so right. I'd be yeah. like, crap, I've got to play it cool. Like, oh, it's like, just a body. Just a nice body, man. <laughs> Where'd you find it? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So cool. Wait. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. But do you want to know something very infuriating? Yes, I do. Eric waits two days to tell the police that his friend showed him the person who everyone's looking for body. Why? I don't know. Ah, Eric. I have no clue. I have no answer to that question, but it's upsetting. I mean, like, it could go along with your theory of saying that maybe he was a little afraid of his roommate. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, I don't know what to do. Like, I just saw this dead body and I like maybe he'll hurt me if I say anything. Exactly. That could obviously be something that is worrisome, of course. But at the same time, I mean, I'd be like, can I stay at a friend's house? I would just tell the police immediately. Yeah. However, I could see Eric thinking that they might think he had something to do with it. That's another good I would, thing. That yeah. would probably cross my mind of like, mm-hmm. this is my, unfortunately, I don't know a lot about Eric or Jason. Right. I wish I could tell you all about them so we could speculate more, <laughs> but I don't. So maybe he was like really good friends with him and he was like, well, they're going to think I'm in on it if I mm-hmm. tell them or I don't I don't really know what was going through his head. Maybe he was just experiencing shock and yeah. like physically couldn't tell the police or something, which is a completely viable thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not too upset about it, but I'm kind of like, um, I'm just glad he what? reported it. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm glad that it wasn't like two weeks later. Right. I mean, and it honestly, like. It doesn't matter because she was murdered already, but it would have probably saved Wendy and her friends and family some pain and suffering if Mm -hmm. they had known what had happened happened to her. Yeah. So that same night, Jason tells Eric that he's moved Lacey's body to his trailer. And the next day, Eric notices that Jason bought a gas can. (gasps) So this is when he realizes that he needs to tell the police what he knows. Yeah. So when Eric tells the police about Jason, they're like, Jason Clausen, huh? <gasps> oh, my God. Do they know who he is? They know who he is. Oh, sh- In fact, okay. they just encountered him two weeks prior. <gasps> oh, no. Okay. 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 Tell me everything. I'm so I excited. Will. Okay. So apparently, Jason had been snooping around a hotel in Fort Collins wearing a ski mask and freaking everyone out, and someone called the police. And this is, again, two weeks before the murder of Lacey. Okay. When they arrived to the hotel, they question Jason, they search his car, and they find inside of his car... (laughs) Oh, my God, he's like Ted Bundy. Oh, my God. Okay, keep going. (laughs) A fake police badge, a forty-five caliber semi-automatic handgun handcuffs, and police lights in his windshield. He's impersonating police officers. He's impersonating cops. Oh, that is so terrifying. 
Yikes. So okay. the police weren't able to arrest Jason for having these items because at the time, which we'll get to how this has evolved a little bit later, but at the time, there were no laws against impersonating a cop or having red and blue lights in your car or anything to deter anyone from impersonating a cop. Oh, my so, God. Although they couldn't arrest him, they were, like, very suspicious of him and were like, we need to keep our eyes and ears open for Jason Clausen. Right, because that's a big deal to have someone impersonating a police officer, especially since he has all of these things in his vehicle. And, mm-hmm. I mean, like like you said, there aren't any laws about not having access to these things, so it's easy to get them. So even if they confiscate them, he could just go out and find them again. Right. So scary. So they were able to arrest him for felony trespassing, theft, and tampering with a motor vehicle. But he was released on bond shortly after, which is why he was able to go probably impersonate a cop to murder Lacey. Yes. Oh, my God. That makes so much sense. I know. So much sense. Two blocks, two houses down. Oh, my God. Okay, sorry. Continue. So that evening on January 21st, they take Jason into custody for questioning. The evening that Eric tells them. Right. And they can't arrest him because they don't have any evidence. They just have this statement from Eric. Right. But while he's in custody, police search through his belongings and they find Lacey's ID and her purse. Wow. Okay. So now they have actual evidence. Yeah. They get an arrest warrant, and the next day they arrest Jason on suspicion of first-degree murder and kidnapping. I love it. So remember that they haven't found her body yet or even confirmed that she's actually murdered, but they're pretty sure they know what happened based on their interaction with him two weeks prior, and they tell Lacey's parents, look, we haven't found a body But we're almost positive that this guy posed as a police officer, pulled Lacey over, abducted her, and murdered her. They're like, we would bet on it. Yeah. Uh, What a... That's just, uh, that would stress me out as a parent to, to hear someone say a person impersonated a cop. But it also is kind of like comforting in the same, at the same time because it's like Lacey didn't do anything wrong. Not mm-hmm. that she would have done anything wrong because she's a victim here. But in the long run, like she wasn't walking around alone in the dark or anything like that. She got pulled over by a quote unquote police officer mm-hmm. and was supposed to like stop and all that stuff. So it's almost slightly comforting But at the same time, of course, it's not because she's obviously dead. Right. But it's a little bit like, oh, she didn't do anything outwardly irresponsible or put herself in a dangerous Mm -hmm. situation. And again, victims never do anything wrong. But it is a good, you know, just a good thought to have that someone manipulated the heck out of her and then murdered her. This is his fault in in its entirety. Right. And then I can just imagine myself leaving a college party underage. I don't know if Lacey had anything to drink. She was super responsible, but we can probably assume she had, like, maybe a beer or something. Probably. So I would just be like, holy oh, crap, no. he knows everything I did. He's, yes. He can read my mind. I would be so <laughs> like, nervous. Yeah. And you would probably be, like, hyper aware right. in that situation. You totally so would be. seeing any sort of red and blue lights, you'd be like, oh, my God. And then you're probably, like, pissed because you're almost home. Yes. <laughs> like, damn it. Like, damn it. I'm almost there. <laughs> yes. Oh, that would be, uh, what a situation to be in. It's crazy. I know. So on the 23rd, the police put out a press release saying that, like, what they believed happened and that they have a suspect 
and that they're still searching for her body. And on January 25th, police locate a suspicious-looking area in the Poudre Canyon. They find her body at about noon the next day in an area off of Highway 14 and Stove's Prairie Road, which, if you're from the area, is just west of the Mishawaka, which is a concert venue in the Poudre Canyon. The next day, Jason is charged with first-degree murder and second-degree kidnapping. So Cliff Rydell, who is currently Colorado's 8th Judicial District Attorney right now, was a deputy district attorney at the time, and he actually prosecuted this case, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that is kind of neat. In this case, he was able to plea bargain with Jason, and Jason ended up pleading guilty to both charges in return for no death penalty. Yeah, that's that's probably a smart plea bargain, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he told his friend he did it. Yeah, so that's a lot. In April, he was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. So Wendy, our favorite mom. Yeah, the, our, you know, our efficient superhero, mom. On top of it, mom. Get all this done, mom. Yes. She was like very annoyed that there weren't any laws against impersonating a police officer because she believed that if Jason's red and blue lights had been confiscated the night at the hotel or if there were a law against it or any sort of deterrence for impersonating a cop that her daughter would be alive today. That's probably a fair assumption to make. And I cannot believe they didn't confiscate them. I mean, I kind of get it, but at the same time. You can't. It's not a law. You can't just take someone's property. So annoying. But I understand. So in 2004, Lacey's mom gets on top of it as if she isn't already. She's just so cool. She's always on top of it. And she lobbies for some sort of legislation to stop the impersonation of police officers. And Lacey's law went into effect in Colorado in 2004, making impersonating a police officer a felony and criminalizing the use or possession of red and blue lights if you are not an officer. I enjoy that a, a lot. Yes. She That's excellent. Yes. I just love when legislation or policies or just awareness comes out of tragedy. It's so cool. Yes, because it almost... It just, like, supports the fact that this will never happen again. It's sort of like the never again stance on things. So yeah. I, I, I appreciate the, that, that a lot. Thanks, Wendy. Thank you, Wendy. We, we appreciate it. And you're right that it really was successful in deterring it because in 2013, Cliff Rydell said that about 25 cases have been prosecuted under Lacey's law. That's pretty impressive. It is a very productive law. Yes, absolutely. Because obviously, I mean, like 25 cases in the span of like 11 years doesn't seem extremely impressive. But considering that it wasn't prosecuted at all, you stopped 25 individuals from impersonating police officers and possibly hurting someone else. And so like, that's what extremely is, impressive. What would your motivation be other than to hurt someone? Yes, exactly. To have like, like maybe lights. steal yeah. stuff? I don't know. Like I can't really imagine a scenario in which someone's impersonating a cop and they're not trying to murder you. Like, yeah, because you're in such a vulnerable position and you have them in complete control. Like, I yeah, I don't know any other sort of situation where that would be the end. That wouldn't be the end game. I agree. So it's a great law. Yes. Very happy about it. Very exciting. Okay. So even though Lacey's law is in effect and it's very successful, there are still people out there impersonating cops all the time. If you 
you know, just look up under the news category in Google impersonation cop and like 10 articles will come up mm-hmm. of people who've done this in like the past year. Like it happens yeah. frequently. So like, I don't even know what I would do in that sort of a situation. Like, is there is there anything that like police officers give out to people who are like curious about what to do if like somebody pulls you over and you're like, you're clearly not a police officer. There has to be something because this is happening way too frequently, I think. So I would hope there would be something. Well, that's a great question, Claire. Thanks. <laughs> Luckily, I looked some tips up. Oh, that's convenient. <laughs> Perfect. Great. So before I tell you about the tips that I found, I do want to acknowledge that while these are tips from real police officers and they are meant to ensure your safety, like they should work, use your discretion. If you feel like it's not a safe situation to question the person, don't like read the room and decide for yourself whether this is appropriate or not. But here are the tips. I'm so excited. Sorry. (laughs) Tell me about these tips. I will. (laughs) So the first one is to call 911 and they can actually connect to dispatchers and determine if a person is actually pulling someone over where you're located. So they can, when police officers start, like initiate a traffic stop, they have to alert people dispatch in some way mm-hmm. or dispatch can contact them and be like any police officers in this area pulling anyone over right now like they can figure it out so I don't know exactly what happens behind the scenes but they get it done and they can tell you no there are no cops on that intersection like do not pull over or they can be like yeah there's a cop there like I'll stay on the phone with you or whatever like they'll mm-hmm. they'll give you directions so just listen to what they say right The next thing to do is to turn on your hazard lights. And this is a good idea for two reasons. One, it tells the person that may be a real cop that you see them and you acknowledge that they're trying to pull you over. But you're, you know, like they might, it'll just clue them into the fact that you know what's going on. But you're either calling 911 or you're finding a better spot to pull over in. Or you, like if you're in a secluded area, you're driving into a more populated area. So it lets them know that you're in the know. But Mm -hmm. then the other thing it does is it draws attention to you. So if other cars are on the street and you turn your hazards on and you're not pulling over and a cop is behind you, like people will take notice. Absolutely. You're so right. And it might make the person, if they are impersonating a cop, feel less empowered to do that. They might be like, "Mm, never mind. Everyone's looking at me. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So the next tip is to stop in a well-lit public area. So this kind of goes back to the hazard lights. Like if you don't feel comfortable pulling over in the middle of the like the night in a secluded road, don't. Yeah. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> and a good cop, if it is a real cop, a cop that is like trying to make you feel comfortable and has good intentions will understand what you're doing. Yeah. And if they don't, <laughs> they're not a very good cop and we should... Maybe figure that out and report it. The next tip is pretty simple. It's just to remain respectful but cautious. So this is a good idea because if it is a real cop, you don't want to, like, piss them off because obviously they go around shooting people all the time anyways. So it's just a good idea to be respectful for your own safety in that situation. But if it's a fake cop... I feel, I feel like if you're being respectful, they might do something to indicate that they're a fake cop 
more aggressively or you know what I'm saying like if you're yeah. being confrontational they might you know play it by the book a little bit more mm-hmm. but if you're being respectful they might be like oh this person knows like thinks I'm a real cop I can get away with some more stuff and it yeah. might clue you in sooner right absolutely that's a that's a good way to play it sort of like be as cautious as possible in the back of your mind and then play it off like, oh, yes, I totally 100% believe that you're a real cop. Yeah, that's a great way to manipulate the situation and kind of put yourself in control Mm -hmm. because obviously the person who is going to be impersonating the cop wants to be in control of everything. So I think that's a great one. That's probably my favorite one. Yes, and this actually I feel like will be your favorite one. That I'm about to tell you. Oh, okay. So clearly you can ask any police officer at any time, traffic stop or not, to see their badge or identification. Oh, yeah. Yep. But in Fort Collins, police officers with the Fort Collins Police Services, so all of the police for the different places, have business cards. Oh, yes. Uh, yes, I love that. Okay. So if they don't have one... That's a sign. Speed away yes. from that person. Yes. So my final tip, or it's not my tip, this is a police officer's tip, is to, if you think that it is a fake cop, remember as many details as possible about who that person is, what vehicle are they driving, what outfit is, are they wearing, what color eyes do they have? Like, remember as many details as possible so that you can then report that person and police will have an easier time finding them and fixing the whole situation <laughs> so it doesn't happen right. again. Yeah, and I'm always an advocate of, like, taking really sly pictures of things. So if you can sneak a picture while they're getting out of their vehicle of what their car is or mm-hmm. what they look like, uh, do that. Yeah, you can do that for a real cop, too. You have the right to record. Yes, you do. So those are all the tips. And again, they're from real police officers, one person that I know who's a police officer, and then some articles about incidents in which these happen. Yeah. Because unfortunately, it happens too much. It does, unfortunately. It's not like it's an everyday thing, but like it should never happen. It's terrifying. And the fact that it happens every once in a while is pretty scary. So be on your guard, kids. So that is the story of Lacey Miller and her murder and... The kind of really awesome things that came out of it. Yeah. But before we wrap up, I do want to tell our Fort Collins listeners about an incident that took place just four months ago. Oh, my God. I remember this incident. Okay. So a woman here in Fort Collins was pulled over by an unmarked black Dodge Charger with emergency lights in the windshield. The man was wearing a uniform and he asked for her ID. She gave it to him. But she started to realize that the uniform didn't look like a real uniform, which is kind of another tip is like maybe know the uniforms in your area and what they look like. So then he proceeds to ask her to get out of her car. And she was like, hell no. (laughs) Um, No. No, thank you. Especially since it's unprovoked. Like there's no reason for you to get out of your vehicle if you're just speeding and you're already complying with them. Police officers should not be asking you to do that. Exactly. And so she like sped away and she did exactly what she was supposed to do. She called 911 and said, I think I was just pulled over by a fake cop. This is my location. They confirmed no cop was in that area. So scary. And they were like, you did the right thing. So she, you know, goes and reports everything she saw. And she did another great thing. She clocked all those details. 
The suspect was described as a white male in his late 20s or early 30s, about six foot tall with dark hair and brown eyes. And as far as I know, this man has not been apprehended. So if you're in Fort Collins, just be diligent. Practice those safety tips we just talked about. But Mm -hmm. remember to use caution. Yes. And really, wherever you are, this doesn't happen like every day, but it does happen every now and then. And when you hear about it, it's just terrifying. So keep your guard up. I mean, all the time, not even just in regards to this. This is just confirmation that as women, you're never safe anywhere. An unfortunate truth, but you have to be safe and you have to put your safety first. So just be diligent or as diligent as you can be. Yeah, I mean, not to be a total buzzkill and say that everyone's trying to murder you all the time. But like, they kind of are. They kind of are. (laughs) Like a little bit. Everyone's trying to murder you. (laughs) That's not true, but kind of. No, but a little bit. Just be on your guard is really the only thing that you could probably take away from a situation like that. It's just be aware. And trust no one. And trust no one. Nobody. No one. Just yourself. Just yourself. Maybe not even yourself sometimes. (laughs) I don't know. It's really... (laughs) Just go home and go to sleep. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Never leave your apartment. Yes, just develop agoraphobia. Live in your house for the rest of your life. Order in every day. Every day. Pizza. Cosmos Pizza. pizza. Cosmos Pizza. Just watch yeah. crime documentaries all day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Become really self-aware uh, that everyone is going to kill you and then live your life like that. No one can murder you if you don't go out in the world. Exactly. And that is what we have to say about that. (laughs) And that's all. That's our advice. (laughs) Okay. So that was the murder of Lacey Joe Miller and the creation of Lacey's Law. Yeah, that, thank you for telling me that story because obviously being from around Denver and near Fort Collins, it, it like I've heard her name before, but I never really knew that this huge piece of legislation came out of her murder and the activism led by her mom. So that was really awesome. So thank you for sharing that with me. You're welcome. So it has come to the end of our episode and as promised... Because of the new summer vibes happening here at Killer Vibes, we have an exciting announcement to share. So thank you for waiting until the end. And Randy, why don't you tell them what our cool announcement is? Okay, so since we are releasing two episodes every single week, we want you all to help us pick which cases we're going to cover. So on our Instagram at Killer Vibes underscore KCSUFM, Comment which murderer you want us to cover, or serial killer, or bank heist, or (laughs) I don't know, something crazy. And if you get three people to like that comment, we will do that murder. We promise. Pinky swear. We pinky swear that we will do that murder. And there will be a specific Instagram post that we'll put up um, as our season is beginning. So make sure to look out for that, and you guys can start commenting the cases that you want us to cover. Yay! I'm so excited for the summer vibe. Guys. (laughs) 